Open your Bibles with me and stand. Open to the book of Philippians. The choir is going to come down and join you. Those of us who are heading to Texas today. We're excited about our Baptist history tour. We're going to be all over Texas. Brother Jeff Faggart puts so much work into these tours. And I'm going to get to speak a couple of times, but it's, it's just going to be a great time. We're really looking forward to it. Look at Philippians chapter 4, and verse 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Eodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with those other, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Heavenly Father, help us as we look at this text today. Lord, help us to understand what it means to have joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I wonder this morning if you are joyful. Now, I didn't ask if you were happy. I asked if you are joyful. Are you experiencing the joy of the Lord? Um, I, I was actually kind of excited to get to today because, you know, we've come through our series, Why Believe? And that's been really technical and apologetics, and today gets to be very practical for the Christian life. And, you know, I remember um, I preached a message at Christmas time, and one of the things that I said was, you know, for the believer, life should be one big touchdown dance because we win. Can't you just picture that all of us just going around, you know, big touchdown dance. <laughs> How many of you wish you had never seen that? <laughs> Touchdown dance, baby. You know, life, it all, we as Christians, we win. We win. Uh, that's the old preacher said, I've read the back of the book, and we win. Our life should be one of victory and of joy and of accomplishment. And yet, because life is hard, because we live in a fallen world... Things can become difficult, and we can get our eyes off of our victory, the victory that we have in Christ. Someone has said that we ought to live life like soldiers coming home from war. We're back home. We're free. We've won. That's the life that we have in Jesus Christ. So what are some ways, what are some things that we can do to accomplish that? Well, from our study in the book of Philippians that we did, well, I think it's almost 10 years ago now, what we, what we learned was that 12 times in the book of Philippians, the word rejoice is used. Six times the word joy is used. And so because of that, people describe the book of Philippians as the book of joy. 
Well, I think that that's true, but there's something that's mentioned more. The, the, the name of Jesus Christ or a reference to it is mentioned 17 times just in chapter 1. And so what we learn from that is you have joy through Christ. Isn't that wonderful? And that's the victory. We won. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He conquered death. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. He's making intercession for you and me right now. He loves us. He will never stop loving us. And one day He's coming back for us. We, we, we can rejoice because of Jesus Christ. But there's something that's mentioned more than joy or rejoicing in the book of Philippians. A reference to your mind or thinking is made more than 36 times. And so we learned that the mind of Christ, what is the mind of Christ? What, is, what do we learn from the book of Philippians? And that is how to have joy through the mind of Christ. How many of you have ever caught yourself in a bad mood and you didn't even know why? Now, some of your husbands are looking at your wives saying, raise your hand, honey. Uh, this is true. It, it is so often that this happens, and it's happened to me where all of a sudden I'm, I'm grumpy, I'm in a bad mood, and I don't even know why, but I know what the cure for it is. And we have it here in the book of Philippians. It's having the mind of Christ. It's having the mind of Christ. We are more than conquerors through Him that loves us. Isn't that wonderful? We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And it's very important that we get this. The book of Philippians gives us what the mind of Christ is. The mind of Christ is humility of spirit and unity of thought and purpose. Humility of spirit and unity of thought and purpose. Um, there's something about being on a team. There's something about being on a team. Now, I know all of you Honda employees, you have teams and team leaders and all of that kind of stuff. And I know sometimes that can become a little bit of a drudgery. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being a part of a team to try and... No, stop. Honda's wonderful. I'm not criticizing Honda. I just know that some of you, as soon as I mention teamwork, you're thinking, oh, no, I'm back at work right now. That's not what I'm talking about. It's really... It's, there's something special about getting together with a group of people to accomplish something great. Whether some of, some of you got to experience that in team sports and other activities, it is a really cool thing when you accomplish something great. Um, Maureen, they just finished a, a musical. Was it just last night, Maureen? Where is she at? Just last night. And it, it's, a, it's so much work to get to it, and then when you're done and you've accomplished it, it's really a cool thing. And in a, a production like that, it's more than the singers. It's the people who provide the music. It's the sound. It's the people who build the sets, carry things in and out, all of those things. And it's so fun to be a part of a production like that that accomplishes something, being a part of a team. So what is the mind of Christ? It is humility of thought and purpose, or it's humility of spirit and unity of thought and purpose. So how does humility of spirit help my joy factor? Well, many times we're not joyful because of unfulfilled expectations. I didn't expect to be here in my life. I didn't expect this to be happen, happening. I expected to, have, to be earning more at this point. I expected my relationship to be going better. Unfulfilled expectations. Humility of spirit says, I deserve hell. Anything better than that is the grace of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, it, it's a change of your mind. And then unity of thought and purpose. There's a reason for me to exist. There's a reason for me to get up in the morning. There's a reason for me to get ready to prepare. There's a reason for me to go out and interact for the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that's where joy comes from. I'll tell you, guys, um, 
all of us as men, what we do is important to us. It's important. It doesn't matter what your job is. You have fulfillment in that job. There are times when you say, man, I need some time off. Anyone ever felt that way? I need some time off. Then you get laid off, and you're off for a month or two months. Has that ever happened to anybody here? You've been out of work for a month or two? Has that ever happened to you? One of the things that happens when you're there, all of a sudden, your joy is really struggling because you feel like, I don't have a purpose. It's very interesting. That is true of our physical labor. There's no doubt about it. It's true of our physical labor. But do you realize that we have something even greater than our careers? And man, I will never diminish that. God ordained work before the fall. Work is a good thing, and we do get self-worth and accomplishment uh, from that work. It's wonderful when you build something. You ever, you know, frame up something or, or create something in your shop or paint something. I remember I was, uh, I was a kid. I was probably in fifth or sixth grade. And we're driving home. The youth director's wife was driving me home. I'd, we'd been at their house. And we're driving by this park, and there's this beautiful old tree. And she said, she said I'd love to paint that tree sometime. And I'm sitting there thinking, why would you paint a tree? You know, like she was going to go out and paint the tree, you know. So obviously I am not an artistic person. <laughs> Don't think that way, a little too literal. But, but it is wonderful to produce something with your hands. There's a sense of accomplishment when you do that. You know, the kids enjoy that. You know, they come and say, look what I made. And you look at it and you're thinking, Lord, help me. I have no idea what this is. That is so nice. Do you know what it is? It's a dog. It's a Martian. I was going to say that. That's a beautiful Martian. There is something about accomplishment, and that's purpose. Uh, job, work, creating, it gives us purpose. Do you know that God gave you those desires not only to feed your family and to give you um, that type of inspiration. But he also gave you all those gifts, all those abilities, all those, all those desires to accomplish work for him. We have purpose. There's a reason that we exist in the body. We're needed. That's what Ephesians 4 talks about. Let's look at this, starting in verse 1. Where can I find my joy? Verse 1, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy... And crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. What is this talking about? Man, you are loved in the ministry. You are loved in the work. You are vital in the work. There is nothing better in the ministry than to see people succeed and grow in the Lord, to see God do something special with your lives. It is a fantastic thing. Those of you who teach a Sunday school class, to see a kid's light come on, and they get it, they understand it. Those of you who are listening to verses, and the kid says the verse, and then you talk with the child about the verse, and they understand it, they get it. What a wonderful thing that is. To see, I'll tell you something that I just love, is to watch our college students that are here, uh, that, that they, they live in the area, they go to school, they're serving the Lord, and they're taking a stand for the Lord at school. I love that. You have a professor that, that's a Marxist or whatever. And just so you know, our kids are experiencing that right now. 
They come to me and say, I got a teacher that's just insane. We have kids that, that are in the room right now that are getting, their, their grades are hindered because they espouse a Christian worldview. That's in our area that's happening. Can I tell you something? I love it that our young people are willing to take those points off of their grade, to take a stand for the Lord. I got to tell you, that encourages me. That is awesome. That helps me. I love that. Do you see what I'm talking about? I love these young people who are taking a stand. And do you know what it does? I think that love helps them, my love for them. But I got to tell you, it helps me way more. Because, you know, every once in a while you lose a kid. That's terrible. Have a child walk away from the Lord. That's an awful thing. But here's the the good news. Man, we love those kids as much as we love the ones who are taking a stand. We pray for them. We care about them. Wherever you are, however old you are, wherever you are in the ministry, you are loved here at Grace Baptist Church. We need you. And here's the good news. That love will help you stand. Remember when you were a kid and someone asked you to do something and you said, my father wouldn't like that. My father, did you ever say that? Did you ever think that? More often it was my father would kill me. There's some of that, and both of those things are good, amen? Fear and love, they work well together. (laughs) What did that love, that love for your father, what did it do? It helped you stand. It helped you do right. You see, when I recognize that I am loved in the ministry, that I am loved in the church, it helps me stand not just for the Lord, but to stand for you. But to st- it, it's just amazing how that happens. Do you know people who get unplugged from church? They're people who think they're not needed, that no one cares. Um, I'll tell this story. I think I've probably told it before. But I remember um, Josh Divens. Where's Josh at? He's, oh, he's over in... Hi, Josh. How you doing? Um, we were talking. He was a little discouraged. And... I said, you know what? Come to church for someone else. So that was a Saturday, maybe? The next day, he's at church, and what are your names? The Hollingers. (laughs) They feel loved right now. (laughs) The Hollingers visit, and they had heard about the church from, she teaches with Brent New and Carrie coaches there. um, So they, they attended our church. And immediately, now Chad walks in the door. He's a fireman. He knows Josh, police officer. And there's a connection. Because of that connection, they came back. Chad ended up getting saved. We're still praying for Beth. No, I mean, they, they, and they've, they've joined and they're active in the church. Their children are growing in the Lord. And, and we hear statements that the kids make from school and other things where they're serving the Lord and they love the Lord. What happened? What happened? Josh came for somebody else. Isn't that cool? He came for somebody else. And this is what happens. You, all of you, are needed in the work for someone else. We have probably 450 people that attend Grace Baptist Church. I can't personally interact with every one of those people, but collectively we can. Isn't that wonderful? That is just an awesome thing. To see happen. Look at what it says. Therefore, my brethren, 
We're a family. Amen? We're a family. Dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. That is so much of a different attitude than, well, this is just something I do on Sunday. So let me ask you this question. And it's very interesting. My joy, I know that's not a question. There's one coming. My joy is directly connected to the way that I love. My joy is directly connected to the way I love. And so one of the reasons that people become dissatisfied in church is because they are not loving someone else there. Now, one of the problems that we run into is that some people are waiting to be loved. The Bible says if a man would have friends, he must first show himself friendly. Right? It's so funny. I've had, uh, this has happened, you know, I've been here 19 years now, so several times this has happened. You'll watch somebody, they'll come in right at the beginning of the song service and they leave during the invitation. And if they are here during another time, they're sitting like this. With, and they're sending out this message. Stay away. And then I notice they're not here. I give them a call. Hey, man, we've been missing you at church. Nobody ever talks to us. That's because you scare them to death. (laughs) It's really interesting. And so there are two things that that are wrong in that scenario. Those people don't need to wait to be loved. They need to love somebody. Amen? Is that fair? And yet, sometimes they're not in a place where they can do that. What did Jesus Christ do? He loved the unlovely. And that's what we have to do. We have to be willing to take a chance and step into the danger zone that they are putting. It doesn't sound like a song. Sometimes we need to enter into that what feels like a danger zone and, and just love those people. And just love them. Do you know what happens sometimes? That person, they don't realize what they look like. And all of a sudden, they just light up. And they're the most wonderful people in the world. And you never would have known it. So remember this. You are needed. Here, here, remember, my joy is directly related to the way that I love. And so... Look at, look at this. Look at our passage again. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crowned, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Now look at what happens. It's so interesting. I beseech Iodias and beseech Syntyche. Now, these are two ladies. Apparently, they're fighting with each other. Okay? They're probably making fun of each other's names. I think that's what's going on. <laughs> but they're, they're fighting with each other. Now... How many of you have ever noticed that if you get a bunch of ladies involved in something, some of them are not going to get along? Amen? Right? And I got to tell you, we have our police officers. You've got two women fighting. The last thing you want to do is get in between it. Is that right? (laughs) It's rough. What Paul is saying here is get in between it. What he's saying is, in the church, if you're going to have joy, you have got to get along with each other. How do you do that? Humility of spirit. 
in unity of thought and purpose. If you're pushing to the same goal, you hear about that on sports teams all the time. They don't have to like each other to play well together. And here's what happens in ministry. You don't have to like each other to minister together, but when you start seeing God working through that person and you start choosing to love that person, the Bible says set your affection on things above. That means that you can set your affection. You can choose to love. When you choose to love that person, all of a sudden you start to see the better things in them as opposed to the things that drive you crazy. I beseech Eodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Unity of thought and purpose. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women. Help them to get along with each other. What's he supposed to do? Yodius, Syntyche, chill. You're messing up the spirit of the church. You've got to get over yourselves. You've got to stop this. You've got to forgive one another. Come on, hug it out. However you're supposed to do it. You're, the, 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 the command here is for the leader in the church to go and help those people. But here's the deal. Every one of us can do that. If you know two people that are put out with each other, help them. Help them. Don't just listen. So, look at what it says in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. How do you have joy? Rejoice. How do you have joy? You rejoice. You choose to rejoice. What is rejoicing? What is joy? Joy is the deep and abiding assurance that regardless of one's circumstances in life, all is well between the believer and his Lord. Are you saved today? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you do, all is well between you and the Lord. That's the wonderful thing about salvation. I'm not asking if you're living a holy life. I'm asking if you're saved. If you're saved, Jesus loves you. He's not forgotten about you. He's not forsaken you. He loves you. When God the Father looks at you, He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He does not see your sin. He sees the holiness of His Son. That means you are free to confess that sin through Jesus Christ. You're free to forsake that sin. You're free to get right with God. Isn't that wonderful? And you can have joy because of that. It is wonderful. You can choose to accept the fact that you are accepted by God. What a wonderful thing that is. How's your joy? How's your joy? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, how do you rejoice after a car accident? Because you want to get rid of that car anyway. Insurance. Yes. How, how do you rejoice after a sickness or during a sickness? I didn't ask if you were happy. Joy is the deep and abiding assurance that regardless of one's circumstances in life, all is well between the believer and his Lord. If you get sick, you know what's wonderful? You're still in Christ. Your life may end, but if you're saved, your eternity won't. You're in Him. Rejoice. Make it your choice to rejoice. Let your moderation... Be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Holy cow. How, have you ever noticed sometimes the order that God says things in Scripture? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. What is that talking about? Don't be too high. Don't be too low. Moderation. Moderation. Um, you'll, you'll watch somebody playing basketball. You know, you have the, the playoffs going on right now. 
and you'll see rookies go out there, first time they played in the playoffs, and they come out with so much energy. There's no possible way they can maintain that level through the whole game. And you'll see the veterans come out, and they play hard, but they know what they're doing. What's going on? It's maturity. It's maturity. And so you young people, you know, you guys, some girl, she looks at you, and you say, yes. And she's really looking at you. Yes. And then she goes, you have something right here. And so you go from the real high to the real low. I'm an idiot. How about just, uh. Here's what happens. All of that drama, or drama for you Canadians, all of that, all of that drama that you experience when you're young, it's amazing how as you get older, it diminishes. It diminishes. Older folks, where it doesn't diminish, we call you cray-cray. All right? And so the, the idea is to make sure that your highs and your lows are moderated. They're moderated. Now, let me just address that. Depression is a very real thing. There are some people that are low, and it doesn't matter how much prayer and how much thinking they put into it, they can't handle it. There's a couple of things that I would ask you. How are you sleeping? If you're not sleeping well, you need to get that addressed. How's your diet? What are you taking in physically? All of that can affect it. And then it's possible you need to go see a doctor and be medicated, get some help. Amen? It's very important. But for the rest of the people where it's not a physical issue like that, it really is a choice to focus on the wonderful and great things that God has done for you and to moderate those swings. And that is the result of maturity and a walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not as bad as you think it is. It's not. Amen? God is good. Now, if you're in the middle of a tragedy, if, you know... Um, uh, the Keekins and the Goins that lost their mom. And that's a tough thing to go through. That is a tough deal. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in your daily walk, choose to rejoice. When you find yourself getting too angry, moderate that. Have you ever asked yourself, why am I so mad about this? Right? Moms, you're going along in your day, kid spills the milk. And all of a sudden, you're ready to kill somebody. <laughs> right? It's not because of that milk. It's because things are building up and things are building up and things are building up. It happens to all of us. All of a sudden, the smallest thing sets us off. And we just, it, because we're up to here with it, what's going on? What's going on? You have not let your moderation be known in all things. You've not been choosing to rejoice. You've allowed a root of anger or bitterness or unforgiveness to take hold of you, and it's going to manifest itself. And depending on your personality, it will manifest itself in anger. It will manifest itself in ulcers. It will manifest itself in depression because you're not dealing with things as they come along. You're not choosing to rejoice. Amen?
I think that all of us have been in that situation, and we have to choose to rejoice. And then, verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Be careful for nothing. And you all know who have been here for any length of time what I'm going to say. Don't be full of care. Here's the problem. Do you know what idolatry is? It's anything that you put before God. And if you have a problem in your life, and that problem becomes bigger in your life than God is, your problem has become idolatry. It could be your relationship. It could be your health. It could be your finances. Whatever it is, if it becomes bigger in your life than God is, that is idolatry. Amen? Man, and that gets tough. And so what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to be full of care for nothing. Why? Because we are full of the Holy Spirit. What happens when we're full of the Holy Spirit? Go to the book of Ephesians. Just back one. Ephesians 5, look at verse 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. Ephesians 5, 18. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What happens when you're filled with the Spirit? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Can I ask you a question? Is it possible to be full of care and full of singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord at the same time? No. No. You see, it's a choice. It's a choice that you're making. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord... This always comes up, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then structure yourself properly according to the Lord, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Humility of spirit, is that right? Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. It, it just goes on. What are these? These are choices that you are making to take control of your life in a biblical way. So how are you filled with the Holy Spirit? How does that happen? Go to Colossians. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. See that? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do, do when whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. You're about to cuss somebody up. Do it in the name of Jesus. See what happens? You're about to commit adultery. Do it in the name of Jesus. It's interesting, isn't it? Everything changes when you let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's what being filled with the Holy Spirit means. Because Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. 
And you get the mind of Christ through the Word of God. You let that dwell in you richly. You are filled with the Spirit of God. And now go back to to Colossians. I'm sorry, (laughs) where am I? Philippians chapter 4. Verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving... Let your, request be, let your request be made known unto God. I, I say to Jacob, I don't know, several times a week, and we got a great life. God's been good to us. We have a great life. What, what am I doing? I want him to know that I'm thankful for what God has done in our lives. Thankful. You hear me say it all the time. I think Thanksgiving is the cure to almost every problem. Thankfulness is the cure to almost every problem. It doesn't fix your finances. But it helps you to know how to go through the financial trouble. It doesn't fix the sickness, but it helps you to know how to go through the sickness. It changes everything. Then, verse 7, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I know that many of you in this room have gone through trouble, and people have said to you, I don't know how you're staying so calm. I don't know how you're taking it. I don't know how you're doing it. Why? Because there's a peace that comes from God that passes all understanding. People can't understand how you can have peace at a time when you ought to have turmoil. The flip side of it is Christians, people are watching you. And there are times when you ought to have the peace of God, but you're living in turmoil. And it's a horrible testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the idea of choosing to rejoice. So how do I do that? How do I do that? Well, God is going to give me this peace which passes understanding. He's going to keep my heart and mind through Jesus Christ. That only happens if I have the mind of Christ. Do you see that? Does that make sense? How do I do that? You let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Then what do you do? Let's finish it up with this right here. We all know it. Doing it is the hard part. Look at the next verse. Finally, brethren. And you know what I love about Paul? Whenever he says finally, he usually has a lot more left. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Man, I'm just terrible. God doesn't love me. That's not true. Yeah, I'm terrible, but God loves me. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You know, it's hard to have a pity party if you're doing this. It's hard to wallow in despair if you're doing this. It's hard to be envious and bitter and judgmental and harsh and angry and malicious. It's hard to be all of those things and think on these things at the same time. So what has God done? God knows my frame that I am but dust. And He knows that we cannot give our all to more than one thing at a time. And so what does He do? He says, if you'll think on these things, you'll have joy. In the middle of trouble, in the middle of pain, in the middle of suffering, you will have joy if you'll think on these things. So here's my question to you today. How's your joy? Who are you loving at Grace Baptist Church? Are you experiencing the love of God's people at Grace Baptist? What are you doing? 
Are you choosing to love or are you choosing to be bitter? Are you choosing moderation or are you choosing anger? Are you choosing satisfaction and thankfulness or are you choosing resentment? You see, that joy that you expect from the Christian life comes when you do Christian things. Isn't that amazing? If you're doing worldly things, you'll get worldly joy, which is fleeting, passing, and ultimately unsatisfying. If you'll do godly things, you practice godliness, then what does God give you? He gives you joy. He gives you joy. And then what happens? Then you're better fit to fulfill the purpose that He saved you for, to work for Him in a greater purpose. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, You're so good to us.